With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Warriors Offcourt, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hilsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we discuss what Golden State should do with the back end of its roster and whom it should consider adding during the upcoming NBA transaction window. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, it's always fun having you on the pod. Last week, I have to I have to thank you. Uh, once again, it feels like last week was actually Monday. Uh, you, you took me to a restaurant, uh, which was the first time I've actually been to a restaurant in maybe three months. Yeah, uh, and settle down, and we should make it clear before we get arrested by, like, Alameda's health department that we were outdoors. It was a... Uh, it was a restaurant that allowed very limited seating, and we were like 50 feet apart. So you know, we weren't breaking any social distancing rules. Yes, yes. But it still was a restaurant, and we got to experience the, the ambiance in the way that you normally would if you just decided to eat outside. So for me, it felt like a win. Uh, I really appreciate it. They're actually – it's Friday now, so they're starting to open things up today. Um, will you be one of the people who tries to go on the lookout for what's opening up and – what restaurants or bars you can actually seek out. Since you just disclosed that I was bringing friends to restaurants before they were even supposed to open, I feel like you know the answer to that. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. And when you say it was good experiencing the ambiance, if by that what you mean is it was good to not just be drinking by myself, I completely agree. Uh, but jokes aside, no, it was great. It's, it's always great to be on this pod, and it's always great to expand our social circles during these weirdo surreal times, man. Um, and in that same vein, you know, just by way of a heads up, I'm walking around. You may be able to hear the wind behind me. I'm not wearing a mask. So if I suddenly disappear, it's because the people I walked by were just angry. I wasn't wearing a mask and it is what it is. Yeah. I've, I've got a couple really bad glares. Like I'll walk down, down the street for something and forget my mask and be like, Oh, I'm just walking down the street and I'll get like the worst glares. Ever. Uh, I've got a, a five-year-old, as you know, uh, your niece, you know, she calls you Uncle Connor. Uh, we were out the other day, and for whatever, you know, she's five, and she doesn't really think, and she starts doing all these fake sneezes at the top of her lungs. And I wasn't really paying attention, even though we were in public. And then by the third one, I look around and can tell that everyone in the room desperately wants to kill us. And like, oh, like, no, Kylie, you can't do that. So, yeah, I am used to uh, – Societal persecution. Like your parents being that your daughter's thanks. five and already figured yeah. out. Yeah, thanks, man. Like, I, I, I appreciate that. That's you, kind of awesome. Though. You could have just let the audience infer what they wanted to. I, you know, I don't need your damn judgment. Get out of my parenting huddle. <laughs> no, I love it. I love, I love you little kid who knows how to get other people's skin. And she's so adorable that I don't think it would actually bother anyone. Oh, and uh, right, she wasn't doing it on purpose. She was just playing a very weird uh-oh. game. but. Yeah, but, okay, but something tells my, me... My, my mind went to a negative place there. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so we've... We're at the point now, and we've talked about this before, where it's like it's just getting hard to find things to write about and talk about. And um, I 
feel like I have analyzed this offseason already in every possible way. And uh, the, the funny thing about that is and we're in mid-June and the Warriors aren't actually going to do anything uh, in terms of, you know, of significance in terms of the draft or free agency until mid-October. So we still have four months. Uh, it's right it's there, yeah, and the season is still going. To talk about. Um, and uh, one thing that we haven't on the podcast really dug into is um, starting June 22nd, uh, and this is something that just became uh, news last week, uh, the NBA is going to have a tr- tr- transaction window, and basically what that means is that um, for the 22 teams in Orlando, uh, teams can – can can make small adjustments to their to their roster. You know, they can, you know, part with ten day guys and add and add and add uh some guys and, and things like that. Uh the Warriors, given that they're not going to be in Orlando, they actually can still do that, uh, because they're almost definitely gonna have a mini camp probably sometime in late July. So they could sign someone basically to come train with them at their mini camp and almost use it as an extended look like they would a 10 day contract. And then to like him, invite him to training camp. And, and maybe that, that guy makes the roster. Um, kind of like what they did with Marquise Chris back in the beginning of uh, this last season. Exactly. And, and like they did with, you know, Bender and then Randall, it's basically like 10 day only. You're not actually playing in an NBA game. Uh, but you know, it's going to be the, the, the mini camp is going to be pretty intensive. They're going to have a bunch of scrimmages, so they're going to get a pretty good sense of what these guys can bring to the table. Um, and I and I think it's interesting because when you're talking about a team that is trying to return to contention, the back end of the roster really matters. Uh, and especially when you're talking about someone like Steve Kerr who wants to play everyone on his roster over the course of the season. Yeah, and you never exactly. know what with injuries, you know, the guy who's maybe your 13th man might need to be playing significant, meaningful minutes in the playoffs. And, you know, the, the teams that have a 13th man who can play in the playoffs and not hurt you tend to have an advantage. Oh, well, and it's not just a return to contention. With Durant's departure, it's a return to contention via strength in numbers. Right, we're not just going to be bowling people over with talent anymore. The league has shifted since our dynastic days. So if we want to keep up with the uh, the LA teams of the world and you know some of these quickly growing teams, even like Dallas, then the Warriors are going to need more than star power, and that strength in numbers comes at the back end of the bench. So yeah, of course it's important. Yeah. So I was looking through the possibilities, you know, guys who are free agents, and I I had a story earlier today that, that had five names and that was me a lot of G League guys um I think I had Gerald Green on there who's who's intriguing um I had Justin Anderson a, a guy who was a former first round pick on there um I had Deontay Davis who's uh a former second round pick who's who's on Santa Cruz right now uh, if you guys are interested I would recommend going and reading that but I did find several more names that I didn't include in that that I'd like to get into. Um, and Excellent. the most intriguing one to me is Jordan Bell. Um, Jordan Bell's career has gone nothing but south since he left the Golden State Warriors, really since he had uh, Candlegate. Hen- yeah, since he had Hennessy at the parade, from what I can tell. <laughs> yeah, you know, he. I, I kind of feel for him, honestly, because he he has the talent. He, he, he has NBA skills. If you remember, there was – 
maybe a two-month period in his rookie year where everyone thought he was just like this absolute steal early in the second round. There was talk about him maybe deserving the starting center job. Um, and the sky, the sky really seemed to be the limit. And now we are just a couple years later, and he's bounced between several teams. Um, you know, he was – the Warriors actually were going to bring him back last summer until the hard cap. Um, they even, even with Candlegate, they thought he had enough potential to bring him back um, on, on a cheap deal. But, um, you know, the hard cap happened, and they couldn't really afford him. So he ended up with Minnesota, which was a situation where he could have – potentially been the starting power forward. They had no depth at that position, but he struggled so much that by the end of the season, he wasn't even playing for them. And then he was... Uh, and that's despite Carl Anthony Towns getting hurt. And ended up on Memphis, and then was cut to Memphis, cut by Memphis. Now he's on the Capital City Go-Go, an unaffiliated player for the G League affiliate of the Washington Wizards. So the Warriors could sign him um, and, and take a flyer on him and, and see if he has anything left in the tank. Do you think that's that's something worth doing, or do you think they've, they've kind of seen what they need to see? So let me understand the stakes first. Um, if they do that, for any of these players we're talking about, what is it that the Warriors have to give up? Is is there anything of consequence, or literally it's just a 10 or Randall, uh, which I think they're going to do anyway. Um, there's a chance they bring back Bender for, for minicamp, but I, I highly doubt it. From what I've heard, he hasn't been in contact with anyone in the entire organization since the season ended. So okay. I think so the, kind of most of the belief that he's not coming back. Um, you know, he, he had – he was about to finish his second 10-day, um, and I think that was enough to show that even though he has moments where he looks like a solid NBA player, he's one of those guys who has tools but just can't put it together. And he, yeah. He's been long enough. It's been several years, and it's at the point now where I think – he's going to be hard-pressed to find another opportunity in the NBA, much less with the Warriors. I view and then this Randall, as two... I, I just don't think Randall's an NBA player. No, I think uh, Bender's probably the, the stop of that analysis. So the way I look at this then, man, is two different questions. One, am I interested at all in giving Jordan Bell a look? And then two, if I am interested in Jordan Bell, would I want him above Dragon Bender? First one's easy. Sure, I'll give him a look. You know, why not? Give him a 10-day, see where he is. The problems with Bell never stemmed from his physical abilities. They always came from his mentality, right? Um, what it seemed like, I don't know this. I, I wasn't in any huddles or behind the scenes, but it seems like they won that first championship, and he went from a rookie who was giving it everything he had, like you were talking about those first couple of months, to someone who took his position for granted, and then he just fell. He plummeted. You know, It was like a Wiley Coyote when he looked down and trying to cross a, a canyon. So if he could somehow figure out the mentality then I can see him putting together, you know, maybe not a star career, but at least a back-of-the-bench guy, and I'd be willing to give him a chance to see if he could do that. Which leads to that next question. Would I prefer to do that with Bender or Bell? That's tough. Um, I remember liking the upside of Bender, um, and I remember thinking that he had a couple of, of moments where he flashed talent during this last season. But, you know, all that said, I think I would still go with uh, with Bell over Bender. He's got a longer term within this organization. He knows what Steve Kerr would want out of him. And, you know, he had, a, he had enough plays during the rookie season where I, I think there might still be something there. Yeah, I personally don't think it's worth bringing back Bell. I think there's other guys that could get uh, in free agency or, or guys who are available 
who would, would make more sense. Um, I think that Bell is just someone who, um, when you're kind of a fringe guy in the NBA, you, you really need to be all in mentally. You need to have the work ethic. You need to be one of the last guys on the court. And he never brought that to the table. He just, he, he lacked a maturity. Um, and I, I, to be honest with you, I had huge red flags about it before he even got on an NBA court with the Warriors. Uh, a few weeks after he was drafted, I did a bigger profile on him. I contacted people close, close to him. And what everyone was telling me was, this is a guy who basically needs to be babysat. This is a guy who, you know, he can be good if you, you know, really get on him and make sure he's, he's doing what he needs to do and really, you know, make sure he's, he's minding his P's and Q's. And, you know, that goes back through high school. You know, he had kind of, he had had discipline issues. Um, you know, he had behavior problems for a long time. And uh, he, was, he always seemed kind of like one of those guys who's just a freak athlete who didn't necessarily love the game the way you need to love the game to be an NBA player. And, uh, you know, that kind of surfaced when he got to the Warriors where there's a famous story of during the playoffs there was like an optional workout and he just doesn't show up. And Andre Iguodala FaceTimes and is like, dude, where are you? You're Jordan and Bell. Like, you can't not be here. <laughs> He's a little fired, you know. It's like, and I think I think he he realized uh, after that rookie season that he really needed to to make some changes, and I think he tried to do that, but you still saw the immaturity there with with the the candle thing. I know I know some people think that whole deal was overblown, but in the NBA, stuff like that matters, especially if you're a fringe guy. I mean, if Wait, you're what was the candle party, thing? He he literally yeah. just bought a candle for Mike Brown, or uh, bought a, like a, a candle. Drink. He he bought, I believe, uh, it was just like a fifteen dollar candle and put it and charged it to Mike Brown's room and and I guess it was a little bit of an inside joke on the team uh, where players were kind of doing that to each other and I think uh, Kevin Durant had done that to um, to him and, and, and kind of like a hazing thing with the young oh, guys. There you but go. Like, so that that makes sense. It, it what it fits into is the same picture you were talking about with a voluntary workout. It's one thing for Durant not to show up to that workout. It's one thing for Durant to buy a candle on somebody's account. It's another thing for an unheralded rookie or second-year player. So I feel that. But as far as your and mentality And to do it to a coach, and if anyone knows Mike Brown, I'm like, that's, Mike Brown's not the guy you do that to. Like, <laughs> it, was, it just showed a lack of judgment, a lack of awareness. And um, honestly, it did not surprise me when he went to Minnesota, which – to be honest, is kind of a dysfunctional environment where he's not going to have the support and, you know, the guidance and, and, and veteran leadership that he had right. in Golden State, and he and he struggled. You know, he, he looked absolutely – I remember going to Minnesota and just seeing him on that bench, and it just looked like he had no idea what he, he was doing over there. Um, well, and it's that Minnesota tenure that might be the death nail that makes me agree with you. So I was getting all ready to say, look, you're right, his mentality screwed up, but he's currently playing for the, you know, Canadian – Espergers, like whoever it was so that you said. Okay, so you know, there you go. Maybe he now realizes that he needs a change of mentality. But that's where that Minnesota stuff comes in. So yeah, I'm a I fantasy just don't think the Warriors are the team to give him that opportunity. Like, well, I think he, he probably had, deserves a flyer in a training camp with someone. But I kind of feel like there's so many guys out there. You should give that opportunity to someone who hasn't already squandered an opportunity with you. 
Yeah, fair enough. And, and he also, um, just as far as the mentality, I'm a fantasy basketball player. I mentioned that because I had Carl Anthony Towns last year. He gets hurt or, or doesn't play for a while. I immediately pick up Jordan Bell. Opportunity. There's nobody there. There's no front court. He should be playing. He gets zero minutes. He did nothing. So yeah. if my whole pitch to you is maybe he recognizes his opportunity now and his mentality will lift, we've already seen that last year, and he didn't do anything. So I changed my answer, Connor. I'm going no on, uh, okay. on Jordan Bell. Uh, so the next one is uh, Isaac Thomas, who has one of the, has, has had one of the weirder NBA careers out there. It was just a couple of years ago that he was getting MVP chance at uh, Oracle Arena. He was, you know, an MVP candidate, one of the best players, offensive players in the league. With Boston, um, was the best player on a team that was a legitimate contender. And then the poor guy has had just so many injuries, uh, so many hip injuries that have really robbed his athleticism, and he has not been the same player since. He's been bouncing between teams. Um, He played last season for the Wizards, actually, uh, you know, started 37 games for for a bad Wizards team, averaged 12.2 points. But the problem with him is that his shooting has been so abysmal. you know, he, he looks like, you know, as a, as a small guy, he really needs to have that quick first step to get by guys and get clean looks. And it doesn't look like he has that anymore. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who was an all-star just a couple of years ago. And uh, we know what he can do when he's at his best. Is he is he worth taking a flyer on? The Warriors, the Warriors need another uh, backup point guard, and I think they need a little bit more scoring punch off the bench. This is obviously a guy you could probably sign to a minimum. Um, is he worth it? I'm hard out on Isaiah Thomas. So I, I liked him in Sacramento. I've liked him in a lot of places. Um, he's got nothing but heart and has shown that in every every destination he's ended up at. But I think Boston screwed him. I think that they ended his career when they asked him to play through that injury following his sister's death. And I think we've seen the results of that in the you know, in every game he's played with since. Um, and while he might still have the talent to be the kind of player that you and I are talking about now, a back-of-the-bench guy, I don't think that's what his goal is. I think that what he's trying to do is reestablish himself as like a starter at least, and that's not the mentality we need from the 13th or 14th guy. So I'd, I'd pass on Isaiah. I agree with that. I agree with that. He's he, he He's complained recently when he wasn't getting minutes on teams. And, uh, you know, if he's getting significant minutes on the Warriors, they have problems. I mean, they're not a very good team. So exactly. I, think that's a good, I think that's a good call. One name that I think you're going to like is Anthony Tolliver. Um, hey, former Warrior. Former Warrior. He, he actually maintains a close friendship with, with Steph. Um, from what I've heard from his – From, like, the dark days, right? Like, he was in the locker room. Tolliver played with them when they were uh, when they were still under Nelson. Like that was like right in the beginning of Seth's career. It was when they were really bad. Uh, it was yeah, really bad. Nineteen wins, bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Tolliver actually played big minutes on that team. He played over <laughs> thirty-two minutes per game for that team, which tells you how bad they were. Um, <laughs> and Tolliver is a guy who I believe he he has been on the most teams in the NBA at this point. He's been on like eleven teams. Um, and How is he you know, still in the league? Guys, who's a role guy signs one year contract after one year contract. Uh, but you know he he tends to be helpful for the teams he plays for. He's a stretch a stretch four uh, who is not bad defensively. He's getting up there in age. Um, but 
you know, he, he, he was helpful for Memphis in, in limited time last season. And um, I think you could do worse as a back end of a rotation guy. You know, he knows, he knows the Warriors, what they're about. He has a relationship with Steph. Um, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I, I would take a flyer on him. I think the only part of that last analysis I agree with is that you could do worse. I mean, maybe the Warriors could look at me or you and see if we could fill out that spot. Uh, I had love for Anthony Tolliver during the season we were just talking about, but I, and I'm pulling this from thin air having done no research, but I feel like that was like 2009. Um, and so if it's, if, if it's been like 11 years since the last time I have any memory of him contributing to an NBA game, and I, and I heard you. I understand that he's done things since. That was his career year. He averaged four points per game that year. Okay, but it's been a while, and I, I'll put it this way. If I put together a list entitled The Least Sexy NBA Players on Earth, I know for sure Tolliver makes it. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hillsman right after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. More interesting names: uh, Alan Crabb, Marcus Cousins. Sure. Uh, Crabb played for Cal, didn't he? Um, he did, and he was actually a pretty good player for a couple of years at Portland. Well, but oh, hold shooting, on, I just his go-to thing is obviously his, his shooting, his three-point shooting. Tell me about Demarcus. He has not I been able not to have cut you off for a couple of years now. Go right to Demarcus because I want to hear your take on that. These are the kind of people that I would be interested in. Um, although, to be to be fair and to poke a hole in my own argument. Looking at DeMarcus is basically the big man version of Isaiah Thomas, since he's probably destroyed right. so physically. Probably, too. I mean, they've had similar trajectories in that their career fell apart around the same time, um, largely due to injuries. You know, DeMarcus yeah. is a guy who I still think, you know, if he can come back from that, that torn ACL, that he has a chance to be a, a productive player in this league. But given his history with the Warriors. I wouldn't say his, his season with the Warriors was a complete train wreck, but it it didn't go great, and he rubbed some people the wrong way, largely because he's a guy who's used to being a perennial all-star who was not necessarily cool with offense not going through him and things like that, and that obviously is probably never going to be the case ever again for him in the NBA. I, I think there's too many risks for a guy who will yeah. come in and be like a 13th man. Um Talent-wise, probably that's the Warriors can get on a minimum at the center position. But um, when you're talking about a 13th, 14th man, you want someone who's gonna who's gonna be no problem. Someone yeah. who can, you know, fit into the locker room and cheer from the sideline and and be likable. And uh, you don't want any things. any yeah buts. You know, like oh uh, yeah, but remember that the people in the locker room hate him, or yeah, but remember that he needs the ball all the time. Like you just don't need that from the back and end. And the fact uh, that he hasn't played in you know, over a year. Um, that could be a problem. Yeah, sure. I, I, I shouldn't have jumped over Alan Crabb, because what I like about Crabb, not only that he's a local kid, uh, but he can shoot the ball, uh, and he can play defense a little bit, and he's the kind of guy whose career didn't play, I bet, the way that he wanted it to, and would be willing to take any kind of a role 
the Warriors gave him, especially if it was contributing to a, a championship caliber team. So that's a name that, that interests me. I'd, I'd look at He also has made a lot of money in his career, actually. He had, like, one good year with, with Portland and then signed with extension. Um, and I was I was in Portland at the time and following the Blazers, and I was just like, that is the worst move they could ever make. And then immediately his career tanked. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I don't think he's going to be too upset making a minimum contract when he's already made what he's made. So as far as the back end of of the the, the roster right now, I'm I'm very curious to see what happens because the fun one of the fun things about this past season was you know bringing in kind of no name guys and just throwing them into the fire and seeing what they could do. You know after everything that happened in the trade deadline, they were able to give some opportunities to guys and Juan Descano um, Anderson, the Santa Cruz Warrior, local East Oakland guy. Um, really good guy, by the way. I mean, he, he's led multiple protests, Black Lives yeah. Matter protests in the past couple of weeks in the Bay Area. He, he, uh, I thought was helpful as kind of an instant energy guy off the bench at times towards the end of last, this past season. Um, but he, Clyde Bowman and Michael Mulder are really all kind of going to be fighting for their professional lives coming into the next season. Um, basically, the Warriors are facing a bit of numbers crunch um, right now. If you if you look at their roster for next season, they have ten guys who are going or expected to be on the twenty 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 one roster, and you know a couple of those guys don't even have fully guaranteed contracts for next season. But I would fully expect them to make the roster, um, and that is Marquise Chris, who could very well be their starting center next season, and Damian Lee, who isn't as guaranteed as Marquise, but I think has shown enough um, to have have a spot on that roster. Um, so, this is where I would make some joke about being a brother-in-law, but I won't. I'm just going to keep that in pocket, yeah. man. That, that would be uh, uh, inconsiderate. You know, and honestly, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think Steph would be super stoked. And honestly, I do think he's earned his spot, and I think he's proven he can be like yeah. the 11th guy on a good team. But, uh, yeah, so you're looking at 10 guys, and then keep in mind they, they have to – they're going to pro- almost definitely take someone with the number with the top five pick in, in the upcoming draft, so that's one spot. Then you're going to want to sign someone to to the taxpayer mid-level exception, so that's another spot. Then you're, you're probably uh, going to want to bring someone in on the traded player exception, so that's another spot. And so that's three spots. You're up to 13. And then, you know, the, if they want to, they could round out the roster with minimum contracts. They might they might get a bargain on a minimum deal. Um, sure. So that could be another spot. And then they also have two second-round picks, and there's a chance that they'll want to hold on to one of those guys. I could see them, you know, doing a draft and staff situation for one of them, but maybe the other one they, they have someone they actually like and, and want, to, want to bring in. So there's a very decent chance that – uh, Bowman, Mulder, and and Scott Anderson won't even have a spot to vie for come training camp. But uh, I do think that the Warriors are high enough on on all three of those guys that they would like to at least give them a chance. So I, if, if I had to guess right now, I think out of those three, probably one of them makes the roster next season. I think there's a chance maybe two, but probably one. Of those three, who would you 
who would you want on the team next season and why? Let me ask, I will answer that question, but let me start with um, a question to clarify something because you know far better than I do. So you mentioned that Juan Toscano Anderson has been involved uh, politically recently. Uh, You mentioned both Black Lives Matter marches. In fact, one of them, I think, had both Steph and Clay and a bunch of Warriors participate. And that meant the world to me, and it meant the world to a lot of Warriors fans, and it got a lot of social media attention. Here's why I'm asking. Do you think that matters to the Warriors front office? When they're making this decision and they're looking at these three players, will it be a solely basketball decision or given our current political climate and what's happening and the fact that this is the Bay Area, does Juan Toscano Anderson get a little bit of extra push because of his societal involvement? I don't think it hurts. Um, I really don't think it hurts. I don't think it's going to be the ultimate decision-making factor. I don't think he – he would get it over someone like Michael Mulder just just because he he led those protests. But right. um, I, you know, we talked to Steve a couple of days ago, and Steve did talk at length about how cool he thought that was. He said that he reached out to Juan, and you know, like we said earlier, when you're a 13th, 14th, 15th guy, um, you want that guy to be someone who fits your ethos, who fits your locker room culture, who you know about the right things. And Juan, a hundred percent is that, um, you know, not only his political involvement, but just his overall story. He's a guy yep. who went undrafted out of Marquette, did, had no offers at all, um, ended up down in Mexico, um, played down there for a couple of years, and then was a, tr- a tryout guy for Santa Cruz. I mean, just the fact that he's in the NBA is an absolute incredible story. So I think that those things are all going to be factored in. But also keep in mind that, if the Warriors really like him, but they don't feel like they have a 15-man roster spot for him, they could give him a two-way contract. Right, right. And I, I honestly think that's probably the most likely scenario for him. I think he's a guy who they're comfortable with, and they, they feel like they play NBA minutes. And they also, I feel like, want to reward a little bit for, you know, what he's done both personally and, and on the court exactly. for him. Yeah. So um, I could see him bouncing – between Santa Cruz and Golden State next season. Who knows? Maybe he thinks he, he's shown enough where he deserves a 15-man roster spot elsewhere and goes elsewhere. But um, I would think that if he doesn't get a 15-man roster spot, that they would at least put that on the table for him. Yeah. Uh, and, and to answer your question, if somebody came to me and gave me Mulder, Bowman, or Anderson, um, it would depend, and this is a weird way to put it, whether or not Anderson's going to have another very public support um, of the Black Lives Matter movement here in the Bay Area, and here's why I say that. I think Bowman's actually a better player. If it was, if it was in a vacuum, I would take Kai. But the, the difference between those three isn't a lot, you know. Um, Nobody is going to – if we brought in Bowman over Anderson, it's not going to make the difference of a championship. So if Anderson becomes even more entwined with the BLM movement out here, then the look of letting him go – after he did that, I, I don't think it would be a good look. And if I was in the front office, I would opt for him over Bum. Yeah, yeah, I probably would too. Um, if I had to rank it, I would, I would, I would have Bowman, or I would have Bowman number three. I would have Toscano number two, and I'd have Mulder number one. Um, Mulder is a guy who came out of basically nowhere. He's playing in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, with with the Heat's G League affiliate. I think people in G League circles knew him because he was an absolute dominant three-point shooter. He was 
he was shooting 40% from three on like something crazy, like 10 three-pointers per game. He hit a bunch of threes in a game in Santa Cruz, which I think is what really put him on Golden State's radar. But in his limited time, he only had one 10-day contract before they signed him for the rest of the season and gave him a a partial guarantee on on the following season. And it was because in in that days, he, he impressed them in a multitude of ways. Not only could he knock down threes, but he was much better defensively than they thought he was. He, his first game, he wasn't hitting shots, and he went out and he, he asked to guard Devin Booker. And that really impressed the coaching staff. It showed a confidence, a self-belief that they really identified with. He seemed to be a great locker room guy. But, you know, to me, he's kind of like a poor man's 3 and D wing. And at, at a, you know, yeah. 13th, 14th roster spot, you can do a heck of a lot worse. Also, Fitzgerald is a really a really quality guy by all by all accounts, and a guy who really you know appreciates the opportunity. You know, another undrafted guy who had to toil in the G League. So, I, I think he has an NBA skill right now, and that's his three point shooting. Yep. And I'm not sure that Toscano or Bowman have that skill that they can really hang their hat on. And as a role guy, you need to have like some specific skill that's sure. your go to thing. And yeah. Bowman to me was a guy who I was really high on early in the season. I think everyone was. He had he had a few really good games. I don't know if he hit a rookie wall or what it was, but he just kind of seemed to get lost in the shuffle. And the the most concerning thing is he didn't develop much as a facilitator, as a passer. And if he's going to find a role on the Warriors, he really needs to be more of a secondary ball handler because they don't have a ton of those right now. And I don't think he's proven he can be a true backup point guard in this league. He's more of just like a small shooting guard. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm not sold on Bowman. Yeah, uh, the, all of that makes sense to me. And I'm embarrassed to admit that the first time I saw Mulder, I, I not only wasn't sure who he was, but I thought he was the former A's pitcher for like the first quarter. So I, I will defer to you on, uh, on I his, was his skill set. At a, at a game with Brent Dawson, who was covering the LA teams for the for the athletic and he when when Mulder comes in he's like wait Michael Mulder he, he used to play for Kentucky and because uh, Brett Dawson's a Kentucky guy I'm like yeah he did and he's like he wasn't even good at Kentucky like how is this guy in the NBA like he didn't even have an awareness that he was in the NBA because Mulder his senior year he averaged like four points per game um because he was stuck behind the likes of like Jamal Murray and a bunch of NBA guys at Kentucky. So he wasn't even, he didn't even do anything in college and now he's in the NBA. It's kind of another incredible story, but I don't think that means he's not an NBA player. I think he, you know, if he had gone to a program where he wasn't stuck behind stud NBA guys and he got legitimate time, who knows? Maybe he would have been a draft pick. All I can say is thank God last year is over Connor, at least from the Warriors perspective, you know, we went from, arguments about is this the greatest team ever and is it basically cheating that Durant added them to arguments about who the hell is this guy and didn't he used to play in Kentucky you know, so yeah. you know how the mighty have fallen but we're coming back we're uh, we'll be back right now. right one one thing that I wanted to get on before we get to before we before I let you go is Alan Smiley is an interesting conversation right now because 
he technically is guaranteed next year um, at, at the minimum. And, you know, they signed him to a guaranteed two-year deal when they took him out of uh, Santa Cruz, but he's originally from Serbia. And he, I've talked to some people who really feel like the Warriors should look into just cutting bait with him now or at least converting him to a way contract. Oh, no. uh, because the Warriors are going to need – those roster spots are going to be important, you know, as, as we just touched upon. They're going quickly, and – you know, if you if you do want to keep someone like a Michael Mulder, but you also want to you know keep one of your your second round draft picks and use your mid level and all these things, it's it's possible that the only way to do that would be to cut someone like Alan Smilikic, who is only uh, he's not even 20 years old yet. He doesn't turn 20 till till August. Um, I think still has a lot of potential, but. Anyone who saw him this past season is going to have concerns. He seemed to regress mightily over the course of the season. He had a couple moments early in the season where he did some oh. cool things, but he, toward the end of the season when he played, he just looked absolutely overwhelmed. It was like if you threw me out on that court and gave me the basketball, I would just like look around all confused. That was that was a hundred percent him. Um, do you think that he's still worth believing in or already time to move on from him? I need to know what happened behind the scenes with him. Um, because again, I don't, I don't share your access and it's a tale of two smilogies from my perspective. Like on one side for the beginning of the year, or at least for a few months there, I was loving reading everything. I was reading your articles. This kid's 19. The team thinks the sky's the limit. His you know, potential is unbelievable. Um, and then as the season progressed, those articles not only stopped, but we started seeing kind of the wide-eyed what the hell is going on and what should I be doing performances that you just described. So what the hell happened to this dude? Uh, if if there's any uh, any semblance of the player they thought he was when the year started, I'd, I'd hold on to him because I love lottery ticket players, you know, people who just might work out and be a superstar in the future. But if they've decided that that's just done, then fine, we should move on. But I'd like to know what happened. Why? why how did he lose all that potential? Yeah, I mean, we might be overstating it. He he just looks like a guy who was who was completely in over his head at times last did, season, yes. and you know that that should be expected given his situation. This is a guy who, before he went to Santa Cruz, had never played above the, the Serbian third division, which is like basically just a semi pro league where they play in these tiny gyms with soccer goals behind the behind the baskets and you know he was dominating guys who looked like eighth graders um and so you know it, it was it was quite a jump for him to go to the G League where over the course of his first season in the G League he he started to look like he he could hold his own but then to go from that to the NBA you know while he's learning the language while he's still navigating American culture, learning how to live on his own, all these things. I think it's a lot. And the Warriors knew what they were getting themselves into. But I will say this. I think that they need to give him another year just to see what he can bring to the table. But even though when he entered the league, everyone was saying he's at least a three-year project, that doesn't mean you have three years to start showing that you belong. Uh, you need to start showing next year 
that you can tap into that potential and be an NBA player. Um, even if, you know, you're, you're not ready to be a rotation guy, you need to show that you're on track to be that. Sure. And if, you're, if you don't, then the Warriors can't be faulted for cutting bait because at the end of the day, a 15-man roster spot is important. Yeah, I think that's fair. Earn your spot. You know, if if you are not worthy of the spot, you shouldn't hold it. Right. And, you know, I think in an ideal world, he would he'd probably be on a two-way uh, because he's going to be spending a ton of time in the G League anyway. And the cool thing about a two-way is that you get to retain their rights. So it's not like the Warriors would have to worry about him being poached by another team. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um and here's a random question I'm sure that no other Warriors podcast will uh will throw your way. Do you think you could put up ten points in the Serbian or Serbian third division? I would need to get in shape. Um <laughs> but uh I think if I could run up and down the court, you know, ten straight times without getting winded, that I could do it. Yeah. yeah. If by winded you mean throwing up, then I completely associate with you. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Bram, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Big fun. You know, I, I, as, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I completely stole your – Stolen my ending. Oh, yeah, I've noticed sure, it. Like, at the end of every podcast, you say, big fun as always. And I found myself <laughs> doing that too, not just to you, but to everyone. And, uh, you know – It's I, a compliment, and I agree with you. Flattery. Huge yeah. fun. Yeah. No, I, I, I enjoy every time we're on. Um, I look forward to – Stealing another drink at a restaurant that should not be open yeah. in our immediate uh, future. I know your schedule because I would love to go uh, risk our lives to have a beer at a, at a bar sometimes. We'll, we'll make it happen, and my daughter and I will spend the time in between terrorizing the public. Our thanks to Bram Hillsman for joining me on the podcast. It's always a ton of fun talking Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 